Hi, and welcome to the Living in Harmony Family Ministry Podcast, where parents are at the forefront of raising their kids. We exist to help families create a biblical culture in the home while navigating the culture in the world. That being said, welcome to the show. Well, welcome to Living in Harmony, episode five. Today's going to be a really good episode. My name is Delmar. I'm Robert. And I'm April. Yep. And this is a podcast for parents. And we have had, once again, more parents letting us know what they're liking, what they're wanting to hear. And we want to thank you for the feedback. If it's your first time listening today, you can uh, hit us up on Facebook. You can go to our uh, HarmonyChurchSumter.com. You can email DelmarP at Gmail. we love to hear back from you. But uh, that being said, before we get into it this week, what did we do last week in our families? Um, well, let's see. For us, on uh, we had a dinner and a pizza, well, pizza and moving night. Um, we had um, our, our married son and his wife came over. Um, and our, of course, our daughter and our other son was there. His girlfriend came over and we were um, finishing up re-watching um, season two of The Chosen because season three is premiering right now in, in theaters with episodes one and two. So we're all going to go do that this this evening. Um, and so we just kind of rewatch season two right beforehand to, to gear up for that. So day. you can find out what happens in Jesus's life. That's right. That's right. It's right. <laughs> Always a, a new surprise around every corner. Shocking. I find that like <laughs> pin, uh, Christians have so many opinions on this show. True, true. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you don't like it, that's fine. If uh, if you like it, that's wonderful. I know we have people at this church who wear the merch. And then we have people at this church who say they will never watch it. So right, right. it's an open-handed issue. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I will say your son serves with us in student ministry, so I was kind of super bummed because he's not going to be with us tonight. But he's with his family, and I get that. But I did see this week your family went to Ikea, so I was once again jealous and, and, and a little angry I didn't get, didn't get the invite. Sorry. Yes. It, it was truly a last-minute decision. Um, in fact, we, we actually talked about, maybe we won't mention that because it was just a few weeks ago uh, we went, but that was, you know, we knew we had to go back. So. Oh, yeah. You got to go back. I know. <laughs> I, I, I actually tried it. Um, was going to originally have one of my friends go with me, but it was a very last-minute decision, uh, and um, she already had plans. And I looked at Robert late Wednesday night. It was just like, You've got vacation days. What's the chance we could go? And so he went with me. It was great. Nice. Our family is finally feeling better. Yay. It's been a good week at the house. Yesterday, I went and filmed a wedding, and we did a same-day edit. So it's always good when the couple doesn't expect it, and then you bring a big honking projector and set it up and say, why don't you all grab a seat real quick? It was so, so good. Because at the end, they've watched their video, and the groom says, I made it the whole day. But now I'm crying. I'm like, <laughs> yes. And of course, I had a camera set up filming them watching it. So of course. It was, it was a really good week. Um, but now let's talk about what's going on in our culture. How about that? Yep. Okay. So this week, we a really interesting article has come out recently. It's from The Strategist. And it's a, it's a survey taken of teenagers. They're, they're in Britain, right? Europe. But at the same time, a lot of these things translate over here because it is what is actually cool to buy in 2022. And when I think back to my kids, there was there my kid years, there was one year was really cool to have Game Boys, obviously. And then I felt like we downgraded because do y'all remember the thing called the Gigapet, a Tamagotchi? It was this little round thing. 
and you had to like feed it. And that was, I'm like, I don't know how that was cool. And then we had pogs. I was big. And then Pokemon cars, which are kind of still. But <laughs> as I look at this article, there's some real interesting trends that I just want to bring up because I think there's some some cool observations we can make about this. Um, the most popular store with teens right now, which this didn't really catch me off surprise, is, um, is H&M, right? Mm-hmm. Which H&M is like super trendy, but at the same time, not expensive. And what, what they do is they look at what's the most expensive, like $500 shirts, and then they make $20 versions of that shirt. So it's like, I don't know, like the Dollar General name brand, <laughs> but it but it but it does look trendy. They don't last a long time, but if you think about it, if you're trying to wear what's trendy, you don't care about if it lasts a long time. True. It's actually a great marketing strategy. So that's that's the most popular store amongst teenagers. A couple of things I was excited for was Nike's and Chucks are back in. Like I grew up, Nike's and Chucks were the game, and now <laughs> they're still back in. So if you are a parent and you are rocking your your dad shoes or some some uh, classic Converse, you are you are hip again because everything comes full circle. Yeah, I like the Converse. My kids like Converse yeah. too. Are there any things on this list that kind of stuck out to you guys? I, don't, I mean, one of the things that was interesting about the list is you know there was a several of the comments about how how the kids found the things that they wanted. And back to last week's discussion about, you know, TikTok and social media, that was a big place where kids were finding what they wanted. You know, they were they were seeing influencers and seeing their their favorite their favorite stars. Um, and one of the one of the really interesting things was that they a lot of them, you know, the, the survey specifically asked, how do you know, you know, who 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 pointed you to this thing? And most of the kids couldn't even tell you which influencer. They're all doing it. Yeah. It, and it was it was kind of interesting, interesting to me about how pervasive that advertising is. It's like, I don't even remember where I saw it. It's just been resonating there. Well, in that same line of thinking, just when you looked at who was recommending things, it did blow my mind how many of these trends started on TikTok. And then students mm-hmm. will buy the thing and they're like, they'll, they'll review them on TikTok. These are my TikTok pants. That's what they call them because they found them on TikTok. And that's why what's, what I find very interesting about our culture is it used to be, you know, on this side of the pond and on the other side of the pond, it was vastly different. That's why when the Beatles came here, it was like, who are they? Like, what is this? But now it's just like this homogenous sameness. I mean, obviously there's nuance because different cultures have different variants, but it seems like everything's moving in the same direction culturally. Like the number one, um, even it used to be like us was Xbox and then, you know, Japan was PlayStation and then, or, or, um, and Nintendo, but even now, like the number one thing that's on every kid's gaming list, right? It's PlayStation five. That's Mm. the, that's the, by like not a little bit of margins. Um, it's, you know, um, when you're surveying mi- thousands of students. So there's this homogenous culture that's pushing us all into this singular version of a human, it would seem. And uh, social media does have a grip on that. We talked about that last week. If if you missed last week's episode, I felt like it was really good. Um, but as we move into this, one of the things that really just struck out to me is how even though what they want, like it's Nike, cool. Well, it used to be New Balance. Like the 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 ends may change, but the same is still like there's this placeholder. I need a clothing item mm-hmm. that is this. I need an entertainment item that is this. I need this. And 
as we move into Christmas, it just becomes really aware as we're moving into the season, or if you've been listening to podcasts, we've been in this season. Welcome. You're late. But, <laughs> but as we're in this season, there is the, the constant conversation about material possessions. And I hate to use that word because it sounds so like sticky, but that's what they are. And I think a lot of times the church tends to take two approaches from what I've seen. And it's like, we're just going to buy into the Christmas spirit. Like in our worship service, we're going to have snow blowing down and we're going to lean into <laughs> like all the, like, because so much of the Christian landscape is consumerist, consumer driven. It doesn't really matter when you pull that into church. You can't even tell. It's just more consumerism. But then you have the other side. If it's not just receiving it, it outright rejects it. Like I have a friend, he hates Christmas. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. He's like, I hate the commercialization of it. I hate it. And like, I can't even listen to Christmas music around this person because he so rejects it. And a position that, that I've been taught is, you know, some things are to be rejected because they're sinful. Some things are to be received because they're not inherently, and some things can be redeemed. And I think this is one of those things when it comes to the conversation of Christmas, managing this in your families, in your household, how do we work at redeeming this holiday? Because if you think about it, Christmas, it celebrates Christ's birth. I was thinking about this week as we were getting ready for the podcast. Celebrates Christ's birth, but we snatched it from the pag- a pagan holiday. And we're like, this is ours now. And I feel like the pagan culture is snatching it back. So what do we do to, to lean into this season to bring about a redemptive spirit? I think one of the things that, you know, as we get started, one of the things April brought out as we were thinking about this um, earlier was that this is not a one size fits all for every family. You know, your family is in a particular place with, you know, whatever's going on. And, and so you'll, you'll think this through and, and, and come to a, come to a place with, uh, and we'll probably talk about some details here in a minute, but it may look different than some other families are. And, and I think it's important to be okay with that uh, as a, you know, like you said, an open-handed issue to say, this is, this is something, you know, how we celebrate, you know, how we recognize and remember the birth of Christ and, and the, the beginning of God's redemptive story or the beginning of the end of God's redemptive story, um, is, is, uh, you know, less important than the fact that we, that we remember it at all. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, like he said, it's not really a one size, oh, one size fits all or one answer is right for everyone. And we know as, as you were talking about your friend, um, I, I have, you know, we know people who, um, are on that end of, I guess the spectrum with, with how as Christians to approach Christmas, who, um, like my friend, one of my friends was you know saying it's just too over commercialized. Um, and you know, they don't even put up a tree. They don't really like to do gifts. They don't really want to come to the Christmas service. And it's it's not that they're opposed to, um, you know, cr- being Christ followers. And, you know, their family was committed to that. They just were, um, I guess, unsettled within themselves on on what the distractions that our culture has created for Christmas. And then, you know, on the other hand, you have people, you know, like us who we love the Christmas season. Um, yeah, we really get into decorating and doing all the things. We and- like to decorate. We <laughs> actually, Robert ha- always has been saying for years and years, he's like, I think Christmas carols should be sung year round, not because we necessarily want Christmas season 
as a, as a season all year round, but just, you know, the lyrics are good. Um, especially, you know, not, I'm not talking about necessarily Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but you know, the, the sacred, the sacred Christmas works are rich with, um, you know, things to be thinking about. And anyway, so. Well, you know, and, and I may get a little pushback from this, but there's two things happening at Christmas. There is a sacred holiday and a secular holiday. Mm-hmm. I don't mind celebrating 4th of July. Right. I don't mind celebrating Thanksgiving. Like, I I think there is Christian liberty to in, engage in a... In a, in, a, in a holiday as it is a holiday. But we, this is the beautiful thing as, as Christian families, we get the added benefit of it also being sacred. Like right. it actually isn't, we, we, yeah, sure, we have this holiday, but we get this flavor behind it that like it's a spice that's, that makes it that much better. I agree. Yeah, so in that sense you can... You know, from that perspective, you can have the cookies and the carols and the fun and the snow and everything that that goes along with that. Um, but you still get the the deeper meaning behind it, and you can step you know behind that curtain or or, or dive deeper and and have that that richer experience as well. Yeah, and I think if we're just like, well, they they're taking it and commercialize it. It's a commercialization holiday, like in the secular space, right? Does that mean I have to give my heart to that and pursue that? No. Mm-mm. I like Christmas trees and lights. And the reality is literally every holiday is commercialized. So if you're going to say that about one, then, you know, you might as well write off all of them. Yeah. And we were talking about this before the podcast. Um, How many churches today are commercialized? Hmm. You know, like not, we're not advocating for that. We're saying that like, this is just, it's permeated everywhere. We need to be conscious of how we're handling that. Do any of you have any particular like, um, faith aspects you bring to the holiday to help keep that center there? Yeah. Um, we've done some different things at different times. You know, obviously you go through seasons. Um, and so when our children were little, the, they even remember, you know, they were talking about it, I think, recently within the last year or so that when they were young, um, there were a couple of times where we did like a birthday cake and, you know, we taught our kids that what we were celebrating when they were young, we taught them, we are celebrating the birth of Christ. And, you know, spoiler alert, he wasn't really born in December. Right. But that's just when we have decided, you know, that's when we celebrate it. And so, um, you know, our kids knew that we gave gifts to each other because we are celebrating the birth of Christ and what that, you know, like you were talking about the be, the beginning of the end of the redemption story. Um, and so just out of our own gratitude and thankfulness for that, we give gifts as well. And so we tried to always have that perspective to help them see Christmas as that's the spirit. That's why we give gifts rather than seeing it as a, just a, you know, here's my list and here's what I want. And it's just a give me, give me, give me thing. Right. Um, as yeah, they got... A couple of other things that we did, you know, to, to kind of make the season, the season. Um, we, <clears throat> again, starting back when the kids were really small, we, we found, we looked and looked for and found good books, children's books that, that kind of told an aspect of the story. And some of them were, you know, kind of, kind of classics and some of them were kind of, kind of silly veggie tales type things, but we would, we wrapped them all up. 
And so we have what, 20 of them or something like that. Yeah. And, and every day the kids get, would get to unwrap one of the books they, and they knew they were all books. That's they were cool. all just there. And so we would do that early. We had 25, oh, 25. one for each day of Christmas oh <laughs> or each day of December. So, up there. And then we would read those together and then those books would stay there and it would be something that the kids could look at. And, and, um, you know, we did a similar thing with Christmas movies. We had a lot of movies that we watched and, and, and actually some of them, we still go back and watch the cartoon versions of things and it's, it's kind of fun. Um, but, and some of them were sort of the modern commercialized Santa and Nels type of things. Like that, Arthur Christmas. And, yeah. We, and we already watched that. This Arthur season. Christmas yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> it's streaming right now. So, right. and, and others of them were, were, were things that were, uh, you know, dramatizations of, of uh, the wise men coming in and things like that. So we, but we, we tried to, to make sure that we were constantly coming back to, you know, the, the reason for, you know, the reason that we celebrate is Christ. The reason that we are, celebrating christ is the redemption you know his his coming to be you know the redemption for our sins and and, and our, for our salvation so we were we were we tried to do that as much as we possibly could i love that the way this plays out in your family is so much of the guilt that families feel on christmas is we just spent this whole day praising gifts but where you're like well no this is a season and we're spending this entire season recognizing who Christ is and what he's done for us. And when that one day comes, we're going to enjoy it, not feel guilt, because we've we've been spending the last 25 days opening these books. So, you know, for me in my house, I'm not going to feel guilty reading Calvin a very clean on Christmas this year, which <laughs> it was funny. If y'all don't y'all know what Clanons are, I have that book and I read it to him and <laughs> The sheer terror on his eyes when he saw a Klanon <laughs> climbing down a chimney like wharf. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Like he doesn't want to believe in Santa now. Like that's this okay, so so let, let's go here. The gift giver. <laughs> so what, yeah, a very clean on it's a real book and it is awesome. It's like Kunk Pushma when he comes down the chimney, he's speaking Klanon. So I'm thinking about standing down the hall the Christmas this year and just like like belting out clean on. So it's funny, but okay. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's go there. Cause I want to ask y'all and this, this isn't a guilt. It's not a shame for any parent listening. Every parent navigates our culture different, but Santa Claus spoiler alert. If you're listening to this with kids, we're going to let you know that now, probably, but Santa Claus, <laughs> like what is the best way to handle Santa in your life? Cause I've been, I've been guilt tripped on both sides. Mm. I've had some say it can be pretty controversial. Yeah, you don't let your kids celebrate Santa like you're. That's the mystery of Christmas. I'm like, well, the mystery. Um, we could talk about how the propitiation that was coming is the mystery. Mm. <laughs> right. But but like whenever we when we think about um, Santa and how we handle this, you know, uh, the other side of the camp is so you're gonna tell your kids about Santa and tell them about Jesus congruently and say now pick which one's real, and you and you're giving them their first. Um, need for apologetic. So, um, how 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 did you handle that growing up? Okay, so so we so so we had an interesting, I guess, an interesting way of handling that. Um, we talked very early on, you know, when, when we had. I'm not sure we really talked much about about that before we had kids. No. Um, but, but we should probably start off by saying my mother is firmly what was firmly in that that you know 
Santa is part of the spirit of Christmas thing. And she was very much on that side. So that was... I think your mom still... Which I think she would still think that. Yeah, I think she probably carried Santa's that <laughs> you know, to her death. But... <laughs> but um, and so for... So my experience was my, my older sisters, um, they... We actually... It was it was dealt differently with us. For some, um, my older sisters believed in Santa until a certain age, um, and then I, as a child, I don't recall ever thinking he was real. I always knew of him, but that he was not real. And I think when I was really young, one night um, on a Christmas Eve, I had kind of this is back when uh, tablecloths on little end tables next to couches mm-hmm. was stylish. So we're talking in the um, mid to late seventies. And so I one, one Christmas Eve, I, I snuck under, instead of going to bed, I snuck under the table and wait, I was, I'm going to wait until everyone goes to bed and I'm going to, I'm waiting for Santa. And I, and I, this is like about three years old, maybe four years old, four, probably four. And so I just remembered that Santa never showed up and I, I was like, okay, yeah, so he's not real. And, but even at that young age, I remember thinking, I doubt he's real, but if he is, I'll, I'll see him, but I don't think he's real. And so I knew, like, I never thought Santa was real and it didn't scar me. I didn't care. And so when we had kids, we decided, um, we're not going to teach them Santa's real, but we weren't anti-Santa. We just weren't, we, we didn't want to ever reach a point. Honestly, some of it was selfish because we put a lot of time and thought into gifts and we didn't want some didn't weird a- person taking credit for that. Like, no, I don't want my kids going, look what Santa brought me. No, no, your parents who love you and sacrifice for you got that for you. So our approach was we're going to, our kids are going to grow up knowing about Santa and he's not going to be banned from our, our home, but um, they're going to know he's, they're going to know he's not real. But my sisters who grew up believing Santa was real were adamant they wanted their kids to believe in santa and so they were like don't let your kids you know spoil it for us and so our kids grew up knowing for them it was like a secret knowledge club they thought it was pretty (laughs) cool they're like and we told them look it'll be really bad (laughs) if you guys are the ones that tell your cousins santa's not real you have to do not do this because we got to just let them do what you know what they're wanting to do and so but you know just so when they talk about it you just kind of go oh yeah yeah but just you know and so our kids told us, even as older children and into adulthood, they, they were like, you know, that was always kind of fun because we felt like we kind of had the inside scoop on the real thing. And so we were able to just kind of, you know, oh, yeah, that's cool. Santa got you that. Look what our parents got us, you know. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's our, our oldest just started doing the whole Santa's not real. And we're having to tell him, hey, you can't don't go. Spoil don't spoil it. Don't, don't go tell somebody at church that, you know, cause I don't know how they're raising their families, but you know, there again, there's different ways to play it. There's the one I have, well, I have one family member. They set up a camera one time and the father dressed up as Santa came in, pretended to be Santa. They watched the tape the next day. Then you got these older, older kids like vehemently trying to convince their peers at school Santa was real. Look, I mean, it, it did not help them. You know, it's like, okay, at some point you're going from like, okay, there's a little huh, to you're lying and you're like, it's, it was a little much, you know? And I think there's a, different ways to manage it, you know, all in with Santa, no Santa in our house. My kids ask, if they ask me if Santa's real, like, I don't, I don't know if I can lie. Right. As I mean, I've, first of all, I'd have to violate God's word. Then I have to violate my conscience. So like, 
when my kid asked me, uh, but you don't also have to ruin Christmas and talk about the, 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 the horrible culture that we live in, son, you know, like he's five. In the way I told my kids, like, listen, Christmas morning is when we get together as a family, we have a good time and we like to pretend that Santa came. And that way they still have this because imaginary friends are real for kids. Right, right. Well, and the and playing games like that is fun. And like for us, again, our kids enjoyed the game of it and knowing yes. that other people, you know, they knew named they knew rules of the game that other kids didn't know yeah. and they they really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. And and I think like the big takeaway for me is it's this is an extremely personal question for families, but there are still biblical guidelines. Right. There's still biblical. Yes. How you manage Christmas, your own traditions, your everything, how you manage Santa. But we also know that scripture is clear about, you know, what, how should our possessions possess us? You know, Mm -hmm. how, how far, what is lying when it comes to your kids? And when it comes to that, these are questions that you have to sit down with God and your conscience and answer. And, and this is the hard part, at least for what I've seen and experienced. Once, once you've seen that and you've experienced where God wants you, okay, because there's Christian liberty, I can't force that conviction on you. Right. And this yeah. is a this is a great example of the kind of place where where families can sit down, where husbands and wives can sit down and and talk about these things and say, okay, what are the you know what are the the long term you know impacts if we go in one one direction or another? You know, it's one of those things that. You know, we we continue to circle back to about being deliberate and intentional about where you're going. You know, different decisions that you make, different actions that you take have different. You know, it may lead you in different places. And and every family, again, because of the because of the unique circumstances of your family, it it may be different than what we decided and what we came up with. But you have to think that through. And I think it's important to do that together and to make this be a make this be a thing that. That is a you know it's another example of of how we can we can come together as you know as as families as husbands and wives and 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 come up with the the best way to go through that. It's another opportunity for intimacy, you know, and and it's and, and let's be honest, it's sometimes family need to have low stakes conflict. You know, so many times it's like as parents, as moms and dads and husbands, why like we entered a conflict when it's blowing up. But like Christmas is not a high stakes event here. This is a great opportunity to practice being on the same page and, and having each other's backs in it. And then, you know, whenever you have that conversation about the reality of Santa, I remember how my mom did it with me. I finally just asked her <laughs> and she's like, listen, we, we think and this is how it was told to me. We, we look at Santa as a little bit of the magic in the holiday of Christmas. So if you want to believe in that, if it helps, you know, if it gives you a little bit of that sparkle magic, that's fine. If not, we're fine with it, you know? So, and then I was like, so I have to thank you for all that stuff. <laughs> so here, here's your strategy as we, as we move on to the next topic. All, what I'm hearing is just make sure all the things they want are from you and give really bad presents from Santa. I'm going to give my kids a leaf blower. I'm going to give them those new speakers I want for my computer. And I'm going to give them um, that new, uh, that new toaster that does like two dual toasts. I'm going to give them that for Christmas. And then we'll say it's from Santa. I won't have to worry about Santa anymore. (laughs) Well, you know, the funny thing is with our, and, and you know, our, you know, our kids and you know, our daughter, you know, she was when she was a small child, you know, 
she did not like strangers. Uh, she still doesn't like strangers as an adult, but she did not like strangers. And Santa was the weirdest stranger she'd ever seen. And I remember when she was little, you know, if we would be in the mall at Christmas time, there was one year we tried to like, hey, you want to go get your picture with Santa? And she took one look at him and goes, I'm not going to go sit on that lap. He's scary. He looks creepy. But she also um, does not like like me. She she does not like clowns. Neither one of us, we hate clowns. It's just um, probably, probably on an extreme level. But anyway, <laughs> I think he was, you know, crazy looking person in a weird outfit. And she didn't like strangers anyway. She didn't even like the nice old ladies at church that would come up and go, oh, look how sweet and pretty your little girl is. That would make her cry. You know, she's like, don't talk to me. You know, like little three, four, or five year old, and so, um, so we were like, you know, if our daughter actually believed that some strange looking man in a strange suit was gonna sneak into our house while we were sleeping, and like rummage through things, I don't think she would have been able to sleep. She'd have been terrified. <laughs> unless, unless it was Tim Allen. <laughs> if Tim <laughs> Allen, oh, 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 come down the chimney, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. If you want to hear the worst Santa story ever, I won't, I won't spoil it here. You can look it up on YouTube. Just go watch the movie Gremlins. It's the <laughs> saddest, worst, most depressing. The, Gr- Gremlins is a Christmas movie. I don't <laughs> no, know if you knew that. I have a, no, no. This I, is the worst thing ever. So uh, just just go YouTube it and, and let us know what you think. But Okay, so I have, a, I have to tell you this funny story. I'll make this very fast about Gremlins. And, and if my daughter is listening, which I know they listen to, she'll, she knows where this is going. So Gremlins came out when I was a kid. All right. But I wasn't allowed to watch it at first because my mom was horrified by the fact that there was a happened over Christmas and it was just so, so much evil with those little Gremlins. And then a few years later, we started watching it and we actually, our family, we, they ended up buying it on VHS. I'm dating myself, but so we actually ended up as a family liking it. And then fast forward, oh, this was probably like maybe no, no, it wasn't. It was like six, maybe six years ago, five, five years ago, maybe four or five years ago. I had told my daughter, um, this was before she went to college, probably like Mm. six years ago. I was like, Hey, let's, I have this movie I want to show you. I got in this kick where I was trying to show them some movies from like our childhood and growing up years before I realized how, what a bad idea that was because so many of them were just not good. But um, I was like, hey, this is a Christmas movie. It was in December and I showed it to him about halfway through because I had seen it. Like I knew what it was and I guess I was just a little unfazed by it. And about halfway through, my daughter says, this is not what I was expecting, Mom, when you said this was a Christmas movie. And to this day, she is traumatized it's a great movie. by gremlins. Well, uh, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? Right. Not even the gremlins. Not even the gremlins. All right. Well, that being said, let's go ahead. And this is a good segue. Let's go ahead and go into what we heard in church today. Today was awesome. Today was, was. awesome. If today was a drug... I would be in prison right now because I would have taken it all. I would have taken it all. We were in Romans chapter eight. Oh my goodness. Pastor Dan brought it. I knew within the first three minutes when he drops, theology can help you with some of life's biggest problems. I'm like, I wrote in my notes, let's go. Yes. And he went because every single one of those points was just just dripping with everything we need as 
Christians, all the strength we need as parents who feel our failures, mm-hmm. who feel like we have to fake it until we make it. Like it's all in here. And, and yeah. let's just camp on that first statement for a second, right? We are so <clears throat> scared of the the word theology, right? And it's it's very common to be in a conversation or to, to be in, a, in it with 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 other Christians. It's like oh, I don't I don't really want to be in that. I don't that, I don't need that theology stuff. I just need Jesus. I don't need that theology. That is just theology. But yeah, I know but theology. I mean, the Greek theologos, right? It's the study of God. If you are a Christ follower, if you want to be like Christ. You want to be like the Son of God, to be more like God wants us to be. We have to study who God is. That is theology. And so, yeah, I really, really love that statement. That's like R.C. Sproul, everyone's a theologian. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, every one of our children are already theologians. Our role as parents is, are we just going to let them be horrible, heretical theologians or are we going to let them be informed, godly theologians? We can't make them believe, but we can teach them what is true. And when we think about it in that way, that means every one of us as a parent in a role, like we are, we're teachers, we're guiders, we're instructors because they are theologians, right? I mean, you think about it. What if, what if your pastor, which I mean, I know some are gifted, but like, this is why seminaries are so important. Because seminaries, like I know if, if a pastor came from said seminary, I know this is what they believe theologically. Mm-hmm. And the training is so important or you just go, cr- we start writing it ourselves, And whenever we do that, we find out we're often worse off than we started on this journey. And that's why when it comes to theology, it's something that is, is experienced, but it's also trained. Because if we don't train our kids in the way of righteousness and do what Scripture says, then they're going to dig up their own, which is oftentimes just old heresy. Like the deconstruction movement, which is going on right now, is a lot right. of people trying to find theology, and they're finding it in ancient, very reasonably sounded, killed versions of theology. No, that's, I mean, again, like you said, we're, your kids are going to be theologians. They're going to, you know, Scripture tells us we, we are going to worship something, right? There, there is this, there is this uh, need that we have to, uh, to follow and to worship, and we're going to worship something. And if we, as, if we as parents don't train them to, to follow God, the true God, they're going to follow wealth. They're going to follow stuff, material things like we just talked about in the previous segment. You know, they're going to follow, you know, fame or fortune or money. Uh, they're going to follow something and, and chase after something. So, you know, we might as well train them in the in the right things to do. And I was, and again, as we were looking at this, I love how each one of these verses, he broke it down into, here's the problem being spoken about in the verse, and here's how it's resolved. And, and here's the theological reasons behind it. Because any, there's a, like you said, there's a camp of people, I don't need theology, I, need, I just need Jesus. Well, first of all, that is a statement about God. That is a theological statement. It's self-defeating. That statement can't exist with, in an affirming way. But what we talked about in the scripture here is like everything is. So the problem in, in our first, in verse 32 was that we have a need. And we see that's met in the propitiation, right? And that that need for wrath to be satiated, just wrath, not unjust, 
You know, God is not evil for wanting goodness and for wanting to do away with wickedness. There's nothing evil about wanting to do away with wickedness. Nothing. Anyone who would say that doing away with wickedness is evil, they themselves are struggling with evil. And then the second one was the accuser, how who shall accuse us, right? And how that's met with us having justification. It's a legal term. If I've legally declared you guilty, it's you could any schmuck on the street can say you're guilty. It doesn't matter because the legal has already been set. And then he's talking about um, our guilt and how that's met with intercession, which I think this is what we, I think we talked about this maybe our first or second week on the podcast about how we really deal with guilt as parents. And how this is, I love his illustration. It's like hitting the refresh button over and over yes, and over. Was I was really like, good. I'm going to save that. It's Christ hitting the refresh button on our justice, our justification over and over and over again. And then there's times where we feel separated. But the, the cure for that is a union and how we have that union with God through Christ, you know, by his spirit. And then the last one is this, this isolation, how that's met with us being in communion. And one of the things I noticed is this is all 100% true in our walk, in our daily walk. All of these things play out in our family lives as well. All of them, every family struggles at times with neediness, accusation, guilt, separation, and isolation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that, as parents, you struggle with these things. Um, children struggle with these things. And um, it just kind of reminds me more, even as we were talking about, you know, Christmas earlier and the fact that um, different people sometimes choose different ways of, of handling it. And in the same way, this is just a reminder, again, in parenting and raising your kids, there are some things that are very, you know, black and white and and there are certain ways that it, where there's there is one right way because this is this is the way God's word you know points you. And then there are some things that um, you you know you talk about that Christian liberty that that sometimes parents can be very critical of other families who maybe are doing something a little bit different. And I'm not talking about doing something different in a way that's really sinful and wrong, but just different. And mm-hmm. it can really, I think. Um, and, you know, I don't know, you could maybe speak on dads and how dads feel about that. I know that a lot of moms sometimes feel um, inadequate or they compare and they think I'm not as, you know, they, they feel accused of um, shortcomings or things they may not do right. They feel guilty. They feel separated, you know, and um, and isolated. And, and it's just a good reminder that we need to always be looking and tapping into God's word, time with God, prayer. And also we need to be, you know, offering grace to other families, other moms, and realize that, you know, some people do things differently. And again, I, I always struggle when I mention that because that can be taken, that can be taken the wrong way to mean the whole you do you mentality. Right which is, you know, not, <laughs> does not come from a, a place of truth. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot, I mean, there's so much, man, there's so much wisdom and truth in what you just said. And, you know, so just start from, you know, my perspective as a, as a, as a dad, as a, as a father, yeah, we feel super inadequate. Um, I can remember the, the terror 
when our first kid was born and it's like, okay, time to go home. It's like, what do you mean time to go home? What do I do with this thing? You know, I, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. You know, how do I, how do I keep this other human alive? Um, that can't even, I'm know, so glad you so, had April. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but there's, you know, and I think that, that kind of thought carries through. I mean, every time you're in a situation, um, you know, with your, with your, we joke that our oldest kid is our experimental kid, right? Um, yeah, he grew up knowing he, so he was the guinea pig. Yep. He wore that, he wore that with pride. <laughs> but you don't know, I mean, you don't know what you're, you don't, you don't know what you're doing and, and it's very, very easy to get, to get, um, overwhelmed by that. And, and I think for a lot of men, the, the result is to, to disengage and to sit back and to say, oh, okay, we'll just kind of let this thing go on autopilot. Um, and I think that's really dangerous. And I think, you know, a passage like this gives us a, a bedrock and says, okay, I can, I can come back and find some truth in here. I've got something I can grab hold of in those times. And as you're, you know, you're walking through those, those different things, you know, neediness and accusation and guilt and separation and isolation, you know, all of those are things, um, that our, that our kids, our families are struggling with right now. Um, and you know, how many times has, you know, those of you that have, that have kids who are old enough and have, have, has a kid come from back from the park or from school or from somebody's house and eh, so-and-so said this about me and, and they're, they're broken up because they were accused by something, right? You know, we just talking about Christmas. Oh, I, I, I want this thing. I need this pair of shoes. I need <laughs> this, you know, this, this new toy. Um, you know, those are, those are things, those are places where we, where we live. And these are every one of those opportunities is a, is an, every one of those situations is an opportunity to, to pour truth back into your kids and say, no, you don't, you don't need that PS5. It's really cool. And, and, and it would be nice to have, but you don't need that. You know, it doesn't define you. you. Yeah. It doesn't define you. Oh, identity, right? right? The thing he finished off with, man, that's huge. In, in our culture today, you know, I, I identify with whatever, um, you know, your identity is found in Christ as a, as a follower of God, your identity is part of our family. And this is what we do. Your identity is, is tied up in the, you know, the, the larger community, you know, here, here at our church, man, I was sitting in that to this morning, um, just basking in, I've heard people say that, and it, it doesn't happen to me all that often, but just to sit there and, and sit and listen to everybody else singing over my shoulder. We happened to be in the second row today, so I could hear everybody behind me. And man, that was amazing. Just to just to sit and bask in the community mm-hmm. that's there. And, and I think that, that that goes back to this this wisdom that's in here. You know, God has given us the things that we need. He He has given us the truth that whatever comes against us, He's for us. Whatever comes against us, He will carry us through, you know, the tribulation, the distress, everything that, that is there, you know, he's already, already given us what we need to conquer it. And you have all of the encouragement you'll need in this text, as, as no matter what season your family's going through, these are universal truths. And one of the things that, that I think is healthy is we're supposed to return to this fountain, right? When we're dry. We're supposed to drink from it when we're not dry. Yeah. And when it comes to our own children, this is something that I just think is really helpful. 
I, it was taught to me. It's like when when a problem is presenting itself in your family, it could be any of these things. My kid's been he's he's one a kid has accused another kid of hitting him. Mm. How many times has that happened <laughs> when you have toddlers, right? When a problem yes. presents itself, you can go in there and 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 you could do a couple of things. You can ignore it. Um, what a lot of people I've seen do, I'm not bagging on it, but I've seen it. I've been under leadership that pretty much stopped here, and that is the psychoanalyze it. Well, this is your child's birth order, which means that they are going to be proclivity to this. And because they, and it's like, how about this? Before we go into psychotherapy and try to resolve it, one of the things I want to encourage you, parent, is find a theological root. Before, before you go to what the world has to say about how they think our minds work, right? How they think our go to a theological root because we know there's truth in that. Yes. You know, the other day we had a problem. We've had a problem in our house since the, the time changed. Our kids have, it's like they, um, it was like gremlins and they ate after midnight. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to get them to be gizmo again, but I don't know. It's a time change thing, but, but finally it reached its threshold this week. Um, my middle, just wouldn't stop. He threw something at his brothers in the evening. So I know he's tired. I know that's a thing. But then also I told him to stop and he looked at me and he just, boom. Ooh. Yep. That outright rebellion. That yes. Know. Yeah. Because, that because, happens. because see his brother said, Delmar just threw something at me. Right. So there's the accusation. So now I'm in his chief investigator. Hope I don't mess this up. You know, He's holding it like it's proof that he threw. He threw this at me. It was a piece of metal. It wasn't like a ball, you know? And then I said, Delmar, don't you throw another thing? And then he threw the thing. It was in his hands. Like, oh, he did it. So then he had to meet justification right there. Mm-hmm. And I hated, I hated that. But he needed, he needed an immediate threat, you know? And, and then, you know, so I, I ministered punishment. And then he's crying, my butt, my butt, which is... <laughs> It's sad you got to step around the the corner because it's a little cute too, but like in a in a hurtful way because I know I used to say the same thing, mm-hmm. but then I, I let him say about thirty seconds, and um, I said come here, and I said I picked him up, put him in a high chair. I said, why did Dad have to just do that? Because you 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 hurt your brother and you sinned. You sinned. And like he he may not know he's he's three he doesn't know the complexity as I said but this is what I said I said Delmar who loves you and he's programmed he doesn't know another answer he goes Daddy I was like yeah do you think Daddy enjoyed that at all? like I'm sitting here like hurting that mm-hmm. I had to discipline him like he's like no I said I was like you feel I said feel my heart he said yeah I said my heart hurts right now because I hate doing that and but that was what needed to happen. And I'm, I'm not perfect. I mean, I mess up all the time, but it's like looking back on it, I'm like, okay, that was the moment of the problem was the accusation because I didn't see it, right? And then there's, okay, then justification needs to happen. And there's no Christ stepping in this room and take a spanking on your behalf right now, Delmar, because you you got to mm-hmm. learn. He take the eternal punishment. But how many times do, do we run to the self-help book, the self-help podcast, the self-help this before we pit stop at God's word and say, okay, where's my teaching moment to be a theologian in my child's life. Yeah. And I think, I think that it's really like, it's flashy and, and, and trendy and attractive. I think from our, in our society to run towards the self-help books and to all these other things. And I think as parents, one of the, one of our jobs and, and challenges is, is to remind our kids and point to point to and behave like, you know what? Theology is, is, 
pretty is pretty fun to get to dig into and dive into, you know. And it's not to disparage any other. We do believe that there is truth to be found outside mm-hmm. of scripture, sure. but it complements it, right? right. Um, so there's not to be said that there's nothing about. A, Birth order does have something to do with it. Your love languages do have something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, personality types are a real thing. Oh. Personality is a real thing, and those things are those things yeah. do matter. But there's a deeper truth that sits underneath, yeah. foundational to all of that, and that is what God has given us, you know, in 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 His Word. And so when we look at when we're looking at how to deal with whether it's a rebellious three year old, and good Lord, they all they are rebellious, you know, or a rebellious thirteen year old, right? You know, or 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 a twenty three year old that's trying to figure out how to navigate, you know, being married. You know, it, it it's it's important for us to have done the work in advance. And this is another thing that I think, you know, a lot of guys we don't like sitting and listening to lectures for the most part. We don't like, you know, learning out of books. That's just not a not a thing that most guys really just dig into. And and so, you know, but we've got to we've got to take the responsibility for you know for for knowing what is important and and understanding what those truths are and how to apply them you know we do that at work you know we we learn how to how to do our jobs so that we can deal with things and, and solve problems you know and then at home when it's like eh, I'll just uh, I'll I'll let my wife deal with it you know I'll let mom deal with it but but uh, yeah, it, we, but we have to understand what those truths are to think about how to apply them in, in each situation. And can I just encourage, as we're seeing parents apply them, when you see that happening around you, encourage that parent. Because the church is, it, it should complement what's happening in your house, not be the only place that it's happening in your house when it comes to raising your children in the knowledge, understanding of the Lord. I called a, a parent this week. I said, I have to call you. And she's like, anytime a parent gets a call from someone at the church, you know, she's like, okay. I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but thank you. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what? I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but your, your child exhibits a level of biblical maturity and understanding beyond, beyond their, who they are. And uh, she she then she went on and this is so good. She's like, well, let me tell you about my husband and what he how he. I'm like, this family is in it, mm-hmm. and and that's not to discourage anyone who may not be there now. That's to say that there's nothing preventing you from it, right? And that it's we we're talking about this. You know, April and I are talking about this from our perspective as our kids are now young adults. So we're looking back at all of those things. Um, and, and trying to, trying to say, okay, at when the kid's three, when the kid's five, whatever, you know, if you're, if you're past that, you know, God can redeem those things, but you know, it, it can get harder sometimes, but he can, he can, he can deal with that if you come back to his truth. And if you understand, you know, once you try to reorient yourself towards, towards his truth. And one of the things that, that is so important, and, and we've mentioned it a couple of times, um, in the past and is the the church the body of christ exists not just so that we show up on sunday and we sing together which is awesome but it exists so that if i'm having a problem with my five-year-old i can go to someone who has a 15 year old a 25 year old that i think oh that kid turned out all right and i can go talk to those parents and say what did you do mm-hmm. when your kid was five how did you navigate this thing 
And, and as a body, we can come together and say, oh, well, that kid looks like my kid was doing something like my kid was doing. And I tried this. Oh, maybe that'll work. Or, you know, uh, oh, you know, just just gathering wisdom from other people. And, and we so forget that, you know, we have more um, ability to connect digitally with more people across the entire planet than has ever existed in time before. And we are so much more isolated mm. and lonely than we ever have been because we forget that it's not just about, you know, what I see in my, in, in my social media feed, you know, sometimes that wisdom comes from getting to know somebody else. Yeah. And that's part and partial why I'm doing this podcast with you because y'all have been there. And I think <laughs> it's part of the reason why we need to do all of this. And I think just in summary today, one of the things that I think that, that I heard expressed in the sermon, in the text, and even in this conversation is, listen, your problems are there. Why not allow them to teach you about theology? They can, because every problem has a theological underpinning. Even if it's something you got to go do, you know, if it's a problem you got to fix, there's something we can learn theologically. So I think that's really rich. Speaking of rich, we're going to transition to our last segment, which is our parenting tips for the day. All right, here we go. So today's question, real quick, is just this. What are some awesome family Christian, uh, Christmas traditions that you've seen or that you've had with your own children? Well, um, one that we've been doing forever is a Christmas Eve. We do a fondue dinner. Um, it is, oh. we go all out for it. Um, so kind of like the melting pot, but I don't know if anybody's ever been to the melting pot restaurant, but it's a fondue place. But that we've, sounds awesome. We've been doing a fondue dinner. I remember being like three years old, four years old, doing fondue with my family. And so we brought, it's the same recipe for it's like a cheese fondue with all kinds of different things that dip into it, different kinds of bread cubes and different kinds of meats and veggies and stuff. And then we do this chocolate dessert fondue. Oh it's amazing. So it's it's a thing we do every year. We've been doing it since our kids were since our kids were yeah. were born. Really been doing that. Oh. And so even now they're all adults and everybody's like um yeah, we're not yeah, they missing still come back. we're not missing the font the Christmas Eve fondue. <laughs> That's funny. Yours rolls around food, so does ours. But ours is not near as like extravagant as that. <laughs> ours is my mother once a year since I can remember, she makes breakfast pizza. And it's like this like medium deep dish, eat it with a fork kind of situation. It's so good. And like, uh, so every Christmas, we will get up, do presents really early. And then we're having breakfast pizza for lunch. Or for yeah. breakfast. Yes. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, Maybe it, because I'm hungry right now, but that sounds amazing. It does. It does. Oh, it's so good. And I just know that in a month, literally less than a month, I'm getting, or just a little over a month, I'm getting breakfast pizza. So, I don't know. We've all got our different traditions. I think that's part of the beauty of being in community as a family is you have, uh, you get to have these little quirks that are exceedingly weird maybe outside of your own family, but in your own family, it works. So, well, that being said, it's been fun hanging out with you today. I hope that, uh, I hope this has been a blessing for you. I hope it was as good for you as that sermon was for us. Amazing. I am. I almost don't need to eat because I was so filled up, but I am no. hungry right now. <laughs> but, all right. Well, that being said, my name is Delmar. I'm Robert. And April. And we will see you next time on Living in Harmony. <laughs>